Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, it's really simple. Let me explain. One of us on this show, or both of us, are experiencing something for the very first time, and we're going to talk about it. Um, tonight, I have a guest who's been here several times. It should be no surprise uh, that my wife, Nikki's back. Hi! Welcome back to the show. Um, again, no surprise that you're back. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're making our way through a series of films. We are. So, we're back here to record an episode on The Karate Kid Part 2. He is quicker. Rule number one, karate for defense only. He is wiser. Rule number two, fast run rule number one. He is stronger. Miyagi taught him well. Secret of Miyagi family karate. I get it. Practice, you will. Can you break a log like that? Don't know. Never been attacked by a tree. Miyagi discovered the man within the boy. Never put passion before principle. Even if winning, you lose. Now Daniel must discover the man within himself. In Okinawa, honor very serious. Your sensei teach you how to fight with spear? No more tournaments. No more cheering crowds. This time, the combat is real. Karate Kid, Part 2. Okay, Karate Kid Part 2. This is your first time seeing it. Overall, what were your thoughts? Um, I liked it better than the first one, yet also it made me appreciate the first one too. Like, yeah, it's making me appreciate the franchise so far, like the character development and stuff. So you you liked it, and you act, you liked it better than the first, and now it makes you... Actually, you're like getting into it now. Is what yeah, you're I'm now getting into it. That's awesome because I was a little bummed, but uh, that you didn't love the first one because it's such like a cultural phenomenon and uh-huh. such a huge thing. So I'm glad that you, you know, you're sort of turning the page a little bit. Um, now I'm excited for you to see part three, but I think now that you've seen the first two movies, um, you can uh, you can join the rest of the world in watching Cobra Kai and enjoying yeah. that. But anyways, we're not here to talk about either of those yet. We will be back for at least Karate Kid Part 3 because that finishes the Daniel trilogy. And uh, if we decide to do more, we'll come back. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Karate Kid Part 2 was theatrically released in the United States on June 20th, 1986. The film received mixed reviews with praise for the new location and characters and Morita's performance, although some criticize elements of the storyline, the villains, and some action scenes. The film was also a commercial success, grossing over $115 million worldwide, making it among the highest-grossing films of 1986 and the highest-grossing in the franchise up until the 2010 reboot with uh, Jaden Smith and your boy Jackie Chan. 
So we have um, Ralph Macchio returning as Daniel LaRusso, obviously. Uh, Pat Morita, again, as Miyagi. But we have all, all new characters this time. We have Nobu McCarthy as Yuki, who is um, Miyagi's long-lost love that we learn about. We have Tamlin Tomita as Komiko, and uh, she's Daniel's love interest this time around. And um, she's gone on to be in just about a million different things. I had no idea that she had gone on to be probably out of everybody on the show, the biggest or in these these this, maybe even the franchise, like the biggest actress. Um, I was looking at her IMDb and it was hard to just pick some stuff to name because she's been in so much, but I'll just go through a few. She was in Star Trek. She's in Star Trek Picard, the new one that's on CBS All Access. Um, the Man in High Castle, The Good Doctor, uh, MTV's Teen Wolf uh, show, Glee, Days of Our Lives, Heroes, General Hospital, 24, Eureka, um, and way more. But yeah, she's a very active actress, still going. I did not know that. Also, I think all those shows you mentioned, I have not seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I've seen any of them, but it's just they're big names. and Yeah, they're, they are big names. Um, then we have Yuji Okamoto as uh, Chosen Toguchi. We have uh, Danny Kamakona as Sato. Joey Mayashima as Toshio. Mark Hayashi as Taro. Tracy Toguchi as the Bell Ringer girl. Okay. So that's sort of the main cast. And of course, um, in well, we'll just get into the story because this movie picks up the minute after it actually picks up at the end of uh part one it, yeah. it, it does that like previously on yes. karate kid type thing and recaps almost the whole movie from the beat like it doesn't just show the ending i don't really yeah. remember uh watching this and realizing that it showed how, that much of the original movie but it seems like so weird i mean a refresher on some of it i would understand maybe the very end but I get, then again, like sequels didn't come out right away back then. Uh, yeah, it definitely true. like Daniel definitely looks a lot older in this one. He's yeah, not quite as I mean, not he still doesn't look old. He doesn't, he doesn't look his age. Which right. I don't. How old would he have been? Oh, probably t mid 20s, late 20s. Yeah, like, he was what, 22, 22 for the first one. Yeah. And I think this I don't remember what year it was it 84 or 85. The first one it was, so oh, it was a couple in years. Your notes. It says 84. So okay, he's so 24. He's, yeah. So he's two years older. Um, and yeah, so he's 24. He's he still doesn't look 24, but he's like filled out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just rewatching these. I realized how like scrawny he was in the first movie, which adds to that character because, mm -hmm. you know, Obviously, he's been training since the first movie, but it picks up and, like I said, recaps the first movie. But then when the new when the second movie kicks off, we uh, it, it's sort of an interesting choice um, movie magic. But as a viewer who's like analyzing it, this go around, I notice a few things. But we we kick off right at the end of the tournament and sort of a weird scene where Miyagi's waiting in the locker room and all the contestants are in the shower. Like, <laughs> did we really need a shower scene in this yes, movie? Yes, we did. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just weird because he, like, walks up and it doesn't show anything, but it's, like, implied mm -hmm. that he's naked. And he's like, hey, Miyagi, can we... What are we doing after this? I could be whatever. And he, he makes some jokes, and I was just like, dude, like, put your clothes on first. Like, makes me uncomfortable. I guess it was more... I don't know. That was... 
people maybe i just have like a dirty mind or something but it just made me uncomfortable like i don't know i i would wait till i got home to shower you're in town like it's not that big of a deal but anyways uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend 20 minutes on danielson showering um they and they go out and the, they're, they're like leaving the building going out and miyagi keeps saying you know uh must not keep ladies waiting like meeting his mom and his girlfriend Allie, uh-huh. and he's leaving and everybody like like a, the ref and the uh, someone else in the crowd like both notable actual karate guys like we talked about in the first episode uh stop him and make bigger cameos because they actually have lines and they're like way to go daniel that was a great performance congrats kid i can't believe you know newcomer whatever enjoy and you know daniel's enjoying it and uh some kids stop and ask him for autographs and miyagi's like basically like don't let it go to your head daniel like let's Mm -hmm. get going the ladies are still waiting we're gonna be late and then crease pushes his way the uh instructor from the first movie pushes his way through the audience like a dickhead yeah he's all macho big ego sore loser toxic masculine whatever um yeah yeah he totally (laughs) totally uh is just a complete dickhead like over the top movie style dickhead where he marches through the crowd and he's like pushing innocent bystanders out of the way and i think he grabs somebody by the shirt or something it's like it, it, it's one thing to be a dick to Daniel and Miyagi, but he's just, like, going after people. He's in that. out of control. Yeah. And so they're getting in their car, or their or um, Miyagi's really cool truck, I should say, because he has these awesome vintage vehicles. He, uh, they get in, or or Daniel's in, and Miyagi's getting in, and they look over, and they see that Kreese is fighting with uh, Johnny and the other Cobra Kai, basically, like, demeaning them in front of everybody like he's like i got second place i did my best and he's like second best second isn't best it's not the best you lost you Mm -hmm. loser he breaks the trophy in dramatic fashion which you know would never go today in a world of participation trophies yeah (laughs) Uh, but you know he he like grabs johnny by his gi which i think he was wearing i don't remember he's wearing a gi or a jacket but either way he he grabs him and pulls him in and he's about to like beat his ass in front of everybody which you're at a karate tournament dude like yeah nobody's <laughs> gonna stand up to this guy like has to be a good point has to be miyagi again like, like try start shit at a karate tor- tournament like you know yeah well it's like if you re- battles yeah i don't know man if you have issue with them like do it privately i mean i guess that is all for a movie. I get it. But mm-hmm. to do it right in a parking lot in front of everybody at a karate He had tournament. something to prove, though, Tad. Yeah, and you know what? He proved he can punch through car windows pretty good. Yeah. Because Miyagi goes over and fucking clowns him, literally. Yeah. He goes over and basically does what I do to my dog. And I <laughs> stare at him until he gets mad. Uh-huh. And my dog will come bull rushing at me and I'll move to the side. Um, and that's what Miyagi did. He got creased all heated. And Kreese try to punch him in the face, and he misses and punches his own car window out. Then he turns around and tries to punch him again, does the same exact thing. It's like, what a fucking idiot. Um, he's bleeding all over. And then, I think, I don't remember what leads to it, but Miyagi gets him at a vulnerable spot where he has his like arm trapped behind his back, and he has his, his hand raised like he's going to finish him. Like, he has him at his mercy, and then... 
What's he do? He grabs his nose and goes, honk. <laughs> <laughs> and this was probably your your second favorite moment of the movie. Yeah. And it was in like the first five minutes. That sucks. I did my best. What did you say? I said I did my best. You're nothing. You lost. You're a loser. No, you're the loser, man. Oh, I'm the loser, huh? Yeah. Now who's a loser? You know, you're really sick, man. Hey! Hey, come on! Hey! Where you Don't. Going? How does second place feel now, huh? Come on, he can't breathe! Mind your business! You're gonna kill him! Sensei, please! You're hurting him! He's sorry, okay? He really is! Oi! Let him go! Yeah, just feel like he's right! Let him go! I say, let him go! Beat it, Slope, or you're next! to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. I'm like inspired to start shit with someone and end it that way now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to be pretty fucking boss to have that self-control. Yeah. And uh, I love that. That's what these movies are about is like the Miyagi, you know, teaches kindness and self-control and self-defense rather than just whooping ass. But it's like the quintessential moment of Miyagi where he has him at his most vulnerable and, you know, he shows mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of makes him look like a fool. Like... Right. In front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's bleeding. He has yet to touch him. And then he honks his nose and moves on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Honks his nose and moves on. But I, one thing I noticed this go around, which, you know, I didn't notice when I was a young kid, but more movie magic is like, you know, we see Allie and his mom at the tournament from the f footage from the first movie. And then to the point where he's in the shower until the point where he honks the nose um, we never see Ali or his mom. Yeah. So they never once came back to film anything for part two. Like, so it was it was clearly very intentional. Like, it wasn't like, uh, you know, they they just did it didn't fit into the story or something. It was clear, like, you know, they couldn't come back. Yeah, that or a combination of that or like we didn't want to pay them to come back because yeah. people after the success of the first movie, everybody probably asked for more money for uh -huh. the sequel. And so that was sort of weird because I'm, I could have sworn like both of them were in that opening scene. And then it, it's like the the car. And, and that's what I said last time was I thought that the ending of part one was actually the beginning of part two. Like I, I remember mm -hmm. that scene in the parking lot as being the end of Karate Kid. Oh, like, yeah. Can you, can you imagine the end of Karate Kid part one is the, the nose honk and then they roll credits. Yes. That would have been way cooler. But they kick off this movie with it. And then... Um, and the honk is important. So yes. don't forget about the honk. Very, very important. But um, 
then we it's weird because they kicked this movie off it's, it's sort of like halloween 5 where they kick this movie off the minute the first movie ends and then we do a huge jump it's like six months later uh-huh it's like well then like why did we even have to include that because i mean it will come back like you said but we don't this movie is not crease's story or um any of cobra kai is not involved in all at all like that opening scene really wasn't needed at all yeah now that you mentioned that it's they could have just come back to like daniel six months later Mm -hmm. but um this was another one that was like rewatching this for the first time in a long time um don't sing the song but uh he he pulls up to Miyagi's place in his yellow badass car that Miyagi gave him, and he totally did exactly what we said he would in the first yeah, movie. He, he he let Allie drive it, and she fucked up his car. Yeah. She crashes the car. It's like the headlights falling out. The engine's overheating. Typical women. They can't trust them with nice stuff because they're, they're they're yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> And we get back and it's like he, he pulls up and he's get he's all pissed off. He gets out of the car. Daniel's heated and he's like, you know, Allie wrecked my car. And then she dumped me and she said she's in love with like a soccer player a or something. football player. Football player from a college or something. Yeah. She mentioned like he mentioned like a college USC or Man, something. I don't remember. Did him dirty. Yeah. And so after that entire first movie setting up their relationship, it's like one line about Allie and we're done. Yeah. Um, it was like, she left me and then he was over, he's over it. Yeah. And, and I mean, at that age in high school, sometimes it is that way, but it just seemed like we, we spent that entire first movie developing that relationship and to throw it away that quick. Yeah. Uh, we had history. Come on. Yeah. I mean, we, we had feels, we had history. The he, audience was invested. Like the entire fucking reason he got into karate was because these dudes <laughs> were beating his ass over Allie and then he fought for her. And then she dumps him for a football player, and we're like, all right, anyways. She's a... I don't like her. Yeah. And this movie makes you like her a little less, because his love interest is much better in this movie. Yeah. But um, we'll get to her soon enough. So Daniel's back, and he's pissed because I think his mom wants to move to Fresno, I think is what Uh they said, for the summer, because she probably got another fucking fake job, (laughs) like the first... (laughs) She's got a new job in computers or something, I don't know, but, uh, you know, he's like, oh, Miyagi, man, I gotta move back to Fresno, mom wants to move me to Fresno, Uh, and Miyagi's like, you come here and build entire house yeah. <laughs> and we're back to that bullshit where he's like uh what, what's the old book where they get the kids to paint the fence uh is it tom sawyer or, yeah uh and he he totally sawyer bullshit yeah he, he gets him and he's like you know come here daniel and daniel's like i'm trying to tell you like my life like my all my problems my girl just dumped me uh my car's wrecked which miyagi rubs his hands together and fixes the fucking car too yeah um and then, you know, he's trying to tell him his mom's trying to get him to move. His life's falling apart in one day. He's still wearing a blue tuxedo at this point, by the yeah. way. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you better build a house about it. Yeah, he's like, well, come here, Daniel. And he pours him a little iced tea. And he's like, uh, yeah, he's basically like, you know, here, he shows him this technique where you put the nail barely in, then you drive it all the way through with one hit. Yeah. Which, when I was a kid, that was like, because of this movie... Like, we would try that shit all the time. It, mm-hmm. It's not as easy as it looks. 
Um, but this the spoiler. I mean, we're spoiled already. Like we know exactly what this is. It's not just building a house. It's technique. Mm-hmm. He that's how Miyagi drills it. He gets free child labor and pretends it's karate. <laughs> um, and basically, Daniel's like back to like, what is this shit? You want me to build a house? And he's like, you know, I'm building guest house. And he's like, for what? For you, for for friend staying from Fresno or whatever. So basically, Miyagi's sweet, and he's like, you can stay with me all summer. I'll train you. I'll be your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, while your mom goes and gets another wait- waitress job, uh, wherever she's going. But that then again, we, we still don't even see his mom. Like, mm-hmm. we did, not only did we not see Allie, but I, I noticed this time, I was like, we don't even see his mom? Come on. Like, she couldn't have been asking too much. Just let her have a cameo. Yeah. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we end up knowing that um, Allie, she just decided to go back to Harvard, I think it was, and finish her degree. So that's why she couldn't be in the sequel. Um, but... In this one, yeah, he he's gonna stay in the guest house, and then the mailman comes, and that was a funny moment. Yeah, uh, he's like, you know, overnight mail or something for for uh, uh, Miyagi. He can't pronounce Miyagi. He's like Miyagi, 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 and Miyagi. He gives it to him, and he's like, "Man, I've never seen a place like this. My wife's into all this stuff. Do you mind if I bring my wife <laughs> over?" And, it's and they're completely him. ignoring him. And then he eventually like, okay, and just walks away. It's like, why? it's like, why did they add that in? Yeah, they're like, uh, this is a weird little character. I wonder uh-huh. if, that, yeah, it's just unnecessary. But um, Miyagi gets this letter from Okinawa, which is where he's from. And it's like, you know, Daniel's like, hey, Miyagi, what's it say? What's it say? And he reads it, and, you know, father's sick. I must go to Okinawa very soon. And that's where we get some very interesting backstory. We mm-hmm. learn that. Uh, Miyagi had a girl there that actually I'm sort of jumping ahead because they uh, decide to go get their passport get Miyagi's passport and uh, because he already bought the plane tickets that's how they explain like how he can get them so quick because they're standing in line to get the passport and Daniel's like how do you get a passport overnight or next day and he's like already bought plane tickets like that would not fly yeah like literally like too bad that's not how it works that'd be great it's like i already bought the plane ticket so if you can get my passport to me in 12 hours yeah or whatever right <laughs> it was like immediate because he had to yeah. leave like oh, yeah. right away i mean i don't know if there's anything you can do to expedite it if you you have like a sick family member dying yeah I'm, i don't know but especially um, in the 80s what were the, the rules then right you probably i'm surprised you even needed a passport then but yeah. they're staying in line and he's like you know what was your father like? He's asking all these questions and somehow it gets to the point where um, Miyagi explains like, I had a girl, a girlfriend in um, Okinawa and in his way where he answers questions very shortly and Daniel has to ask a million questions to get anything Mm -hmm. out of him. It's like, oh, you know, what happened to her? And he's like, "Uh, she went with other man and it was like, "How, how did that happen? It's like, you know, who did she end up being with my best friend and it's like oh shit you know it's a big moment where he reveals like basically he was dating seeing this girl and um she was arranged to be married to his best friend who was also his training partner and someone that his dad was training the miyagi uh karate to mm-hmm. so we, we set up that backstory and it's like so what did you do he's like i just left and it's like so you had a girlfriend she was arranged to be married so Oh, because uh, the the guy challenged him to fight to the death. 
Yeah. We learned that on the plane ride um, where Daniel won't let Miyagi get any sleep. <laughs> he keeps trying to fall asleep and it, it's a fucking long plane ride and he's like, Miyagi? Miyagi, we need character development. Come on. Right. Wake up. I'm reading this book from Okinawa and I have a lot of questions. He, it's not, oh, and I, that whole that whole subplot of like, uh, Miyagi's boarding the plane and it's like, I'm sure as, for your first time, you knew somehow that Daniel was coming, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's like he's about to board the plane and there's no indication that Daniel's actually joining them. Like, we're going to have a uh, no Daniel in Karate Kid. And of course, it's like, no, he's he's getting there. Yeah. He rushes up to the, the tarmat, which you can never do now because they were just they're taking paper tickets. And he's like, yo, Miyagi, mom said I could come with you, which that's not her decision. But um, it's like <laughs> Miyagi's like, you can't afford the plane tickets. Like, how do you think I got this far, idiot? <laughs> i have a plane ticket and it's like well how did you can't afford it he's like i already bought it and he's like that money's for college not anymore he, I'll, I'll i'll work a job to pay up for it like what did where did he even get the money but um his mom's so poor she has to move every three months to to a new waitressing job uh, and somehow daniel had a job in high school enough to pay for a plane ticket to okinawa um that might be a plot hole i don't know i mean in the 80s, you could probably get to Okinawa with, like, 50 yeah. bucks or something. Yeah. Not that bad. But, um, and basically, he convinces uh, Miyagi to let him join on his trip. He, like, does a lot of persuading and convincing. And finally, Miyagi, he just he just wears him thin to the point where Miyagi's like, fuck it, shut up and come. Uh, so that's when they take the long plane ride. and. Sorry, that's what she said. What? Fuck it, shut up and come. <laughs> yeah, good one. I'm sorry. I'll have to e edit in like a rim <laughs> shot or something. Um, but anyways, he's going over on the flight. He's learning a little bit about the history. He he brought a book about Okinawa so he could learn the history, um, which is nice. M most kids now would just like Google it for three minutes and be like, "Cool, I know everything." This place we this place is weird. Right. <laughs> Uh, I don't get it. And so they fly over and arrive, and I I did notice this sort of interesting part where Daniel's like, you know, was it like this when you lived here? He's like, no, there was no airport. Like I left Miyagi left on boat. It was like, yeah, yeah in this movie he probably left in like the fucking nineteen twenties. <laughs> he's he's supposed to be like ancient in this movie. Uh, it, it's just weird because like Miyagi is way younger than the actor pat Murata, marita is actually younger than miyagi was supposed to be in the other way around for daniel yeah um but they get there and this car's waiting and this dude in a swanky shirt a very handsome asian man he has the best shirt i was gonna blouses. say yeah he, he has these like always has these pants that are up like right under his rib cage mm -hmm. um sort of 80s khakis with the the creases in them like loafers and badass like silk shirts with nothing under them. Yeah, and like um, vertical stripes and very shimmery. Yeah, yeah, he's I mean, and a little unbuttoned with like chains, like necklaces. Yeah, and the, and the sort of spiky Asian hair. Yeah, uh, just a very. I mean, he has that Bruce Lee body too. Where, yeah, like his traps and his chest are like chiseled, and then he has that really thin core. He uh, looks like kind of like a fancy coke dealer too. Well, I would say. Oh yeah, but he's yeah he's got the physique where it's like a triangle where like his shoulders go down to like his mm -hmm. waist, um, and it's very fitting for his outfits. Whoever was the uh, 
you know, I don't know, was in charge of the outfits and stuff, costuming in this movie, um, knew how to make, flatter him. Yes, I want to steal his look. Yeah, Sometimes. really cool. So uh, <laughs> he's picking them up and he's like overly nice at first. So, you know, did you think something was up? Were you like, or did um, it trick you? I think it tricked me. Try to remember. He I like, was more like, ooh, nice shirt. We see something's <laughs> up when he shakes Daniel's hand and Daniel oh, like yeah, looks yeah. down and he's like, he's grabbing his hand really tight. Okay, and yeah, I remember. So I'm just like, something's up with this guy. Yeah, they get in the car and uh, they're going the wrong way and Miyagi's like, oh, you know, village is south. Why are you driving north? And he's like, you know, we're not taking you there. And they, they drive into this big empty like airport hangar basically. And that's where we meet Sato, who was the who used to be Miyagi's best friend, now the big villain. Uh, we saw a billboard of his in the airport, like right when they got off the airplane. And Daniel's like, "Is that him?" It's like Sato's martial arts, and he has like a car service and something else. Uh, so basically, Sato is like Trump in this in this little tiny village. He's like owns everything, has uh, taken out all the nice little things about the village. Uh, sort of made it more commercial and shitty so basically where that's where we meet sato and uh him and miyagi have their moment because as as daniel explained earlier like uh sorry the dog's licking himself uh oh, poor baby as we explained earlier like you know we get the whole backstory and sato basically wanted to fight him till the death over this girl um y yuki and uh so he still has like daniel can't believe like but even before this like oh he can't still be mad at you it's been like you know 40 years or yeah, 50 you years would or think. something like and and of course uh miyagi's like you don't know our culture that's just how it is dude like that's just what we do like you know we don't we hold grudges we don't forget so we get there and sato steps out in like sunglasses out of like a a dark room and out of the shadows it's very 80s villain mm-hmm He's like, you know, you still, uh, you stole my girl. Like we still, you still owe me a fight. Basically. It's like, dude, get over it. Yeah. He's just like, he's like, I'm here to see my dad who's dying. Fuck off. It's not your business. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> it's just like, I, I've been, I haven't not thought about this this entire time. Right. <laughs> I haven't stopped thinking about your dumb ass. Like this entire time. It's like, I've been waiting for this yeah. day. I've been waiting for Miyagi to come back all this time. Um, and they and they basically, like, throw their bags out of the car and leave him there. And, of course, Daniel's like, what do we do now? And Miyagi's typical, like, perfect Miyagi response is, like, we get the cab. <laughs> like, he means, like, fit, like, literally, what do we do next? Oh, we get a cab. And, you know, Daniel meant, like, are we going to fight him? Or, you know, what do we do? And so then we get back to... They take him to the new, uh, or, or his village, I guess. But when they're driving there through the cab, they, they hit this like airspace, which is sort of an interesting plot point that doesn't really serve anything. It's like half the village has been turned into an airspace, like an airport type, like a military base, basically, where they have helicopters coming and going all the time. And so they have to drive around and get there. But they eventually arrive at the, um, Miyagi senior, uh, Miyagi's dad and, He's like laying in in a in a bed on the floor, and that's where we finally do meet Yuki, 
you know, and they haven't seen each other in many, many years. Um, and he finds out that Yuki did not indeed did not marry his friend Sato. So that's probably why Sato's still pissed. Yeah. So Yuki chose to not ju- just chose to stay single rather than uh, marry this asshole, which mm-hmm. once again made me think of like Biff and Back to the Future 2 with um, his his mom marrying Biff in the alternate history yeah. in the future. And it's like. You know, I can't believe whatever. Just sort of nice that she didn't end up going with the asshole just because it was arranged. But um, they're taking care of his dad, and that's where we meet um, Daniel's love interest, and uh, that is uh, Komiko. Now, how I try to remember how did she just show up? Well, he's he's getting first. I think she uh, is. Like out doing a dance as they're as they're walking okay. around. There's a part there, but there's also I think she's actually there right when they arrive. Yeah, and I think she must be friends. I mean, it's a very small village, and she's like an assistant to Yuki maybe or something. Okay, I don't think they're related, but um, they she's there helping, and she like shows Daniel around because uh, Daniel doesn't really, and I don't blame him. He doesn't want to step inside like he's ever met Miyagi's dad. It's not like he's gonna go be like. Nice to meet you, Mr. Miyagi. Sorry to hear you're dead. Um, but, you know, Sato, or uh, not Sato, but uh, I've just got to make sure to get all these names right. Yuki and Miyagi are sort of making up for lost time and, you know, very obviously very sad about his dad. And we eventually do get, like, some, some like, Miyagi takes Daniel out to see some stuff and they, and, uh, they get to go looking around the town and Miyagi's, like, you know, showing him what's changed since he was there. And quite a bit has changed, but quite a bit's the same. And that is where we get more of, um, Kamiko because she's doing the bone dance, like, the, yeah. like, really cool hand dance. She's teaching a bunch of little kids how to do it. And, of course, she, like, looks over at Daniel and gives him that smile um and all the little kids laugh and they spread out whatever and uh there's a, there's i mean i'm not gonna go through scene by scene but um basically they end up you know hanging out a lot more because she's like the only person his age besides those assholes um which come into the story later they're like the asian cobra kai basically oh yeah there's three bullies it's um Chosen, who's the one that we're talking about uh, with the chiseled body. And then it's um, Toshio and and Taro, which I don't even think we get their names. And if we do, they're very brief. They're basically his cronies who back him up like the other guys in Cobra Kai. But um, everywhere they fucking go, Chosen is there. It's like they're it's... just out sightseeing and he's, he shows up. And it's like this keeps threatening him the entire get movie. Get a life. Get a hobby. Right. They get to the point where they're like... They're out walking around together, uh, and she shows them, like, she's showing them different buildings and what places are, restaurants and different stuff, and then Daniel's like, let's go in this place, and she's like, you don't want to go in there, and it's packed to the gills of people yelling. It looked like a, sort of like a casino or like a fight ring or something mm-hmm. crazy. And they step in, and these dudes, for some reason, there's a bunch of Americans in here, which they don't ever explain. Uh, I'm kind of guessing it's like a military base area. Maybe, yeah, that makes sense since they have the helicopters and yeah. all that stuff. So they, they go into this place and these dudes are just breaking ice and they're all betting money on who can break the most and if people can or yeah. can't, they're all throwing cash in. And, uh, you know, 
they're on their way out when um, the asshole chosen shows up and he's like, you know, you got to try it, Daniel. I'm putting money on you. And it's like, I'm not doing it. Are you crazy? I'm, I'm not going to break the ice. And they're back and forth arguing, arguing. They're like, you know, this young kid can't do shit, can't do shit. And then uh, he thinks he's getting out of it because um, Miyagi shows up with Yuki. And he's like, thank God. And of course, Miyagi does what he did in the first movie. And he's like, you're going to do this. And yeah. And I have a bunch of money on you. Just like the, it's a tournament all over again. And he's like... Yeah, he's just overly confident, I feel like. It's like, you know how to do this. Like, no, I don't. It's like, yeah, I taught you how to nail a hammer. Right. Or, yeah, how to hammer a nail. <laughs> yeah, and... You can do this. That's what I love about it, because it's like he knows that Daniel's capable of anything, and Daniel just has to have some self-belief. Uh-huh. And so he, he bets, like, a fucking ton of money against Sato, because at this point, Miyagi and Sato... It's Miyagi and Sato against Chosen and Daniel, and they're all just measuring dicks at this point. Like, who's cooler? Who's who has more money? Who who who's a better fighter? Um, and of course, Daniel learns the breathing technique, like the in and out and focus. You know, that's uh-huh. where he learned like the nail thing, like breathe in and breathe out, hit the nail. And so, he does that, and of course, he breaks through all six of the pieces of ice. Like it's nothing. Like, yeah, like it's nothing because he's the man. And, of course, Miyagi gets this big load of cash. And they step outside. And he's like, what are you going to do with that? And he's like, college education mm-hmm. after some Chinese food. Yeah. And Chosen gets mad. Like, I want my money back. And it's like, you're a little bitch. He won fair and square. <sighs> yeah. This whole movie, I mean, there's so many p- plot points but where. He has so much pride and. But Daniel has his moment again where, just like in the first movie, where he antagonizes, where he puts, in the first movie, he puts the hose over the Uh bathroom stall and fucks with Johnny. In this one, he sees a guy drop, like, some oranges out in front of Miyagi's house or something, and he helps pick them up, put them in a wheelbarrow, and pushes them down the street where uh, Chosen's family is, like, selling these, or buying or something, these fruits, and they have this uh, scale that's, like these little circle weights that they add to, to weigh the fruit and Daniel knocks it over and breaks the weights to revealing that they're fake. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, chosen's like really pissed cause he's revealed as a scam. Like, Oh shit. You yeah. know? Uh, and so once again, Daniel's antagonizing, he's asking for it a little bit. Um, but you know, it's, it's once again, like I, I even mentioned during the movie, I was sort of like, I'm glad this isn't just a Home Alone 2 where they do the same things. And yeah. I, but then New I location, felt. Same exact plot. Right. But then again, like I felt like there was a lot of that in this movie. Like once I in, said that, I realized that there was quite a bit of that. Uh huh. Yeah. It kind of it started to, in the beginning feeling like a different plot, different movie. But then it kind of like slowly is like hey this is the first movie again <laughs> yeah instead of johnny it's uh chosen instead of uh crease we have uh uh what is it sato and so yeah i mean sato runs like a big dojo just like crease where these kids all train um but sato actually knows um the miyagi karate mm-hmm. which we learn later why but um Let's take a quick break 
and hear about the podcast network and then um, we can come back and sort of talk a little bit more about the uh, third and final act and a little bit of behind the scenes on this one i would like that all right we'll be right back listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening Okay, and we're back. So, where we left off, um, just getting a bunch of bullshit from these guys. They will not leave them alone. Everywhere they go, they're starting shit to the point where it's, like, almost funny. Because it's like, no matter what they go, they show up at the house. They show up everywhere. And Sato keeps basically challenging uh, Miyagi, basically saying, like, you know, if you don't fucking fight me, I'm going to kill you or something. And eventually... Miyagi's dad does pass away like in front of everybody uh Miyagi's dad brings together Sato and Miyagi puts their hands together makes them like sort of hold hands and then that's when he passes away when they touch basically and I thought maybe like that should have been like a like you know a moment yeah like he's he's bringing them together for unity like you boys get to get you guys figure this shit out like i'm dying i taught you both you're both i consider both of you my sons like get over it and then sato's like miyagi you have three days to mourn before i whoop your ass yeah it's like jesus dude like he said actually he said like you have three days before you join your father mm-hmm. Damn. Even, even more savage um and there's a point where like you know they're Daniel's out like he he has this drum. This is a thing throughout the movie too. This like drum that he gets from the dojo, uh, Miyagi's dojo, where it has like the two balls on strings and you you turn it. I don't even know you what they're called. Twist it, twist and it, and it blum blum blum. And of we course, have one. Yeah, and of course, it's another lesson on how to defend strikes. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a point where they they're like on a dock, and Miyagi shows him like he pulls his hook out from way up high, and it barely misses him. And, of course, Daniel wants to try and nearly kills himself. Excuse me. Nearly kills himself, um, which will come back later in the movie. But uh, there is a point where Daniel's, like, dancing, and uh, he's doing that for uh, Kimoko. And the dude's, like, chosen, and his boys come up, and they, like, whoop his ass and and, uh, throw the, the drum. And it's, like, a whole other freaking Cobra Kai moment. Um, but he gives him three days to mourn before he challenges him. And eventually those, uh, that day is coming up and they show up at the house to get their money. And like, at that point we think Miyagi's gone, but Daniel's home and they just start like fucking up, uh, Miyagi's house, like yeah, breaking all of his bonsai trees and, uh, Go like punching out of screens and breaking windows and all this shit, just being assholes. And earlier in the movie, when Sato refused to, or when Miyagi refused to fight Sato, 
they just fucked up a garden in front of them. Yeah. Like, we brought hoes. We're just going to fuck up your garden. Like, <laughs> just what a bitch move. Like, you won't fight me? I'm going to kill everyone's food source. They looked really stupid doing it, too. Yeah, they're, like, aggressively killing plants. Like, tough guys. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, like... Just calm down. Right. Like, it's so weird, too, because, like, Sato's uh, nephew and uh chosen and his his i don't know bad guys just what do they have invested in this like that's what i was gonna say earlier it's like why are you that loyal to your uncle like it's like were you raised like maybe like his whole life he knew that he had one enemy right (laughs) it's like my uncle really fucking hates this guy and he effie ever comes back with his american student i'm gonna be a complete dick to him but like they're they're just fucking up the house and you know Daniel goes down and tries to defend him and they get Daniel in this like choke with the the hoe that they're using or a spear as a spear actually mm-hmm. and uh, of course Miyagi comes out from the shadows and does what Miyagi does and he whoops everyone's ass um and you know it's like they they fucked up everything but at this point Miyagi keeps telling Daniel like it's all replaceable stuff you guys aren't like I'm not going to fight this guy. I think eventually he says he'll, he agrees to the fight. Um, when I, th- Oh, he brings like a huge, uh, like, what is it? Like a backhoe or a digger or something. He basically threatens to like level the entire yeah. village. If he doesn't fight him, he's like, I'm going to fucking destroy everyone's lives. If you don't fight me. And Miyagi's like, I, at this point, I'm not going to ruin everyone's life. So I'll fucking fight you, you guy. Can you imagine beyond that level right <laughs> like i will destroy everything <laughs> well, it, it if you of, don't fight me right and i ruined my own life yeah i'll ruin this. this entire village that i basically own over this like he's just hurting his own economy his own riches but toxic masculinity yeah he's, he's just got such a big ego he can't let it go so miyagi agrees to it and then there's like a really weird um plot twists i mean in between this whole time we're developing the relationship between kamoko and uh and uh daniel son which is really a great I, they have great chemistry in this movie mm-hmm. like you were you said you liked her a lot better than ali um, yeah she's very sweet uh they just they're learning each other's culture like daniel's being the typical american where he doesn't like but he's actually pretty good like he wants yeah. to learn and he's understanding um, and she's showing him like the the bone dance, and she takes him to this really cool like, not quite an island, but this part of the island is like this rock area where they would typically do their bone dances. But this uh, Sato's such a dickhead, he like basically sold it off and closed it to them. Um, once again, like Trump or something. But uh, she's showing him all around, and that's where we get the. Uh, the big song from the movie like we had the best around yeah. and this one was uh what was it uh fuck i'll be your hero never forever the glory of love <laughs> yes uh, like a knight in shining armor <laughs> um keep going no but we get that song which is sweet like you know, it's clearly made, it's a more adult song than their relationship, which we'll get to in a little bit. Here are the facts. But um, I don't know, man. Like, when I watch these, I just, I love, like, young love in these movies. It's just very sweet. Like, 
and it's sort of sad too because you know that Daniel's eventually going to have to go back and they're not going to be together forever you know but they they have almost they have several moments where they're about to kiss there's a moment where they're actually at a dance together and mm-hmm. it's like a 50s like retro dance yeah. it's weird they're dressed up in like sock hop basically and they're playing rock around the clock um which is funny because you know you you know happy days and um pat Morita on happy days and now yeah. we're doing rock around the clock but Guess who fucking shows up to the dance hall? Uh, Chosen and his friends. Yeah. And they fucking pull a knife on on Daniel um, and, and try to steal his money. And, of course, Daniel punches him right in the nuts. And he learned that earlier um, from Miyagi. But he punches him right in the nuts and steals the money back and runs. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. But um, where are we in the story at this point? We've had the dance and stuff. Oh, and I was I was circling back around to the part where we have a big plot twist because um, he's supposed to basically fight Miyagi at midnight that night, and uh, Kamiko and Danielson are having like a very private moment um, where they're about to kiss in the dojo, and they hear this bell ringing. And they run outside, oh, yeah. and suddenly there's just out of nowhere like a fucking tsunami. Yeah, like this huge. Big ass storm is hitting the village. Rain, wind, everything. And, Starts destroying the village. Right. And at first I'm like, man, that came out of nowhere. That's crazy. But then again, like some of our thunderstorms in a village that are that were places these houses are not brick or wood. They're made of like, you know, they're huts basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, like a storm like that, like we had that dretcho or whatever this summer and it didn't really hit Burlington very hard, but like we know friends in Cedar Rapids that lost their entire houses. Like Yeah. So imagine if a storm like that rolled through a village, yeah, it would fuck everything. Mm-hmm. So that's this is a huge moment because um, this comes through, and you know Daniel and Miyagi are trying to save everybody that they can, and that's when Chosen runs in and he's like, you know, Sato is dead. He was in the dojo when it blew over. Uh, Miyagi and Daniel run out to to check on him, and he's still alive. He's under this beam. And so basically, Chosen left him to die. Like, he's such a coward. He ran into this... There's, like, this one place that they use as for shelter. The entire village is in this shelter. And so they run in, and then um, Miyagi Daniel go out, and they find him under this beam, and he's still very much alive. And, of course, um, Miyagi uses his breathing Mm -hmm. technique and breaks the beam with his hand. It's very dramatic. and saves. Yeah, there's no way. He saves Sato's life, which is his mortal enemy, this guy who's been trying to fucking fight him the entire goddamn movie. He's been nothing but a pain in the ass. Won't let him just, in, like, enjoy time with his father who's dying. Won't let him enjoy any of it. Like, he's he has no reason to let him live, but that's the Miyagi way is show mercy. Saves him, brings him back, and at that point, um, that's when Chosen is like, like, Sato's like, Chosen, like, you left me to die. You're, fuck you, you're out. Like, I hate you now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Chosen, like, runs out into the storm. This really weird moment where it's, like, they have a falling out and he runs out in the storm. But um, there's also a very dramatic moment where Daniel and Miyagi go out and they save this old lady and her her son and baby and get them in. And then they hear someone screaming and there's a girl at the top of this big pole. Yeah, like this ladder pole thing. Yeah, and when we watched it, I didn't quite... I, I, I've watched it several times and I remember that scene and I'm like... 
why would she be up there? Then I remember she's the one ringing the bell to let everyone know uh, that the storm is there. So she's like warning everybody. So it's like how? How did she get up on the top of a ladder in a storm? Yeah, like did she thought like I'm gonna hide up here during a storm? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought watching it. And then it, it dawned on me like she's up on the bell tower, like warning she's, everybody. Yeah, which is, uh, shouldn't be a kid's job. Yeah, and that would have been traumatic. Like she's the one that warns everybody, and, and then, then she she's dies, like, and then she dies because she does. But it's oh. very dramatic. Daniel climbs up, saves her life, like just barely as everything's falling around them. Um, storm ends, and then of course we have a big moment where Sato and Miyagi make up. He apologizes mm-hmm. to Miyagi. Uh, I was an asshole, Miyagi. Sorry, like sorry about trying to ruin your entire life, trying to murder you, and um, ruin the love that you had for your girlfriend. And uh, yeah, yeah. I hope you forgive me. And of course, Miyagi forgives him immediately. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, not a big deal, guy. (laughs) Um, But of course, at this point, Chosen is basically like banished. Both sides hate him. Uh, You just can't let it go. Right. And I mean, now now Sato hates him. Uh, Daniel hates him. Like everybody, he has no friends left besides his two cronies. Um, But we, we have what we think is going to be a sweet moment at the end where, um, because Miyagi's, you know, Cho- or, uh, Sato tells Miyagi, like, you can have anything for as an apology. Like, I'm really sorry. What can I do for you? I'm not, like, you know, wh- what do you get? And uh, this is when Kamiko whispers into Daniel's ear, like, make him give us that, that rock place back for the uh, bone dance. Hmm. And he agrees to it. So we have this sweet scene at the end where um, Kamiko is finally doing her big bone dance in their very traditional garb and really cool for a big audience in front of everybody. It's a big show. Um, This is like the tournament scene in the first movie. And it's not competitive, but it's, it's, you know, very gorgeous and everybody's in traditional garb. And then right in the middle of her dance, fucking chosen like swings in like phantom of the opera or some shit (laughs) it's like straight out of mortal Kombat. he like puts rope like something over like these light strings and swings down dramatically and like fucking kicks her or something like he Mm -hmm. he does punch her at some point yeah um and of course daniel jumps over there and they're about to fight he i think he has her like he has a knife to her throat Mm -hmm. threatening to kill her if daniel doesn't fight him basically so He's like, remove the bridge so no one else can come over. Uh-huh. It's just me and you. And, of course, uh, Daniel does so because he wants Kamiko to not die. Uh, and he finally gets his moment. He finally gets the fight he's wanted the entire movie with Daniel. But but um, Josen wants to fight to the death. Right. Don't forget that. So it's it's for real. It's not points. It's live or die. Right. This isn't, this isn't a tournament at this point. This is like... Mm-hmm shows the culture like over there they take it for real so you and, whoever wins lives and chosen's doing this for his honor right because know. he's yeah he's dishonored himself by um sort of fucking over sato and leaving him at the dojo uh during the storm so he knows every like he's dishonored everybody hates him and he has to get his honor back by killing daniel which mm-hmm. daniel's like that's not going to get your honor back like Mm-hmm. Killing me is not going to do anything, but he feels like he has to. Sato even tells him, like, punching a woman and beating up a kid, like, is not going to bring it back. But uh, he's convinced, so they fight in a very dramatic scene because this is, like, 
more of a street fight. They're not point fighting for points. They're punching yeah. each other in the face. And this is like probably the moment you laugh the most in this movie when uh, <laughs> Daniel punches uh, Chosen like like 15 <laughs> unanswered punches in the face. Um, are you talking about like the back and forth? Yeah. Because he learned that from the little drum toy. Right. That goes, you twist into the dee 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 dee. Right, and he does that with his arms. Yeah, he's like, left, right, left, right. It's like, seriously, he learned that from that little toy. Right, but he he lands like 25 unanswered strikes. Yeah. It's like, you'd think in editing it would be like, okay, this is a bit much. Like, Mm -hmm. he's going to punch this guy's head off if he doesn't stop. Because he, Sato, or, uh... Chosen has no defense for it, which, you know, is the point of the, the move, uh-huh. is the back and forth. But he, I mean, there, it, there's a lot of back and forth. Daniel gets beat up some. Uh, he gets, like, a black eye and a bloody lip, and he gets fucked up. It looks like he's going to lose. I mean, it's typical Rocky oh, and uh, Karate Kid-type fights where it's back and forth, back and forth until the good guy's prevailing. Um, he he throws those all those unanswered shots, and then what happens? What do you mean? How does the fight end? The big fight. Oh. It all comes back. Chosen's like, you're going to have to kill me. And then Daniel, he's about he's about to do the last strike to end him. And he grabs his nose and goes, honk. Yeah. So <laughs> he even learns his mercy from uh, Miyagi. He gives him the old honk on the nose. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. It's almost like... Fuck you! I'm not even gonna kill you like you want. Right. You, you lost, and you're gonna have to live with yourself. Yeah. How's that for honor? You got honked in front of everybody. Yeah, I honked you because you're the clown. You're a fucking clown. Yeah. He he honks him like um, Crease earlier in the movie gets honked. Like all the bad guys get honked. Yeah, because they're like, clowns. It's the biggest insult. Is- and that's what I'm I'm take I'm gonna I'm taking that with me. And remembering for any future fight I'm going to be in. Because okay. you know I fight a lot. Yes. Tomorrow when you're fighting at your bank job. <laughs> a customer pisses me off. Are you going to honk him? I'm going to I'm gonna break through the window and honk them. <laughs> so yeah. Karate Kid Part 2 ends on a honk. We were talking about how like the first one should have ended on a honk. And this one ends on a nose honk. And uh, that's like the perfect ending. Honk. Yeah, the way they do it. I mean, Miyagi's is funnier because yeah. it was exactly that honk. He said he's like really weird and abrupt, and then you know Daniel does the more honk like American. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into some of the facts here on uh, that I read on IMDb. So I I guess I wouldn't call them facts. They could just be completely bullshit and made up. But uh, some of them I found pretty interesting. I wasn't sure there would be a lot of them on this movie because there's so much on the first. Oh, look at all those notes. Yeah. So work on the Karate Kid Part 2 started 10 days after the release of the Karate Kid. So they knew it was a huge success um, right out of the gate. So they went right to work on Part 2, which at the time that was probably very uncommon. Now it's like they're working on Part 2 before they finish Part 1. Oh, yeah. According to Martin Cove, the blood on his hands when he broke the windows was real and was an accident on set. The footage was left in the final cut. So he was probably breaking fake glass, but still cut his hands. Yeah. I don't imagine all that blood was real. I don't know. But it seems like a lot of blood Uh for fake glass. Um, The opening scenes, Daniel in the shower and the confrontation in the parking lot, were in the script for The Karate Kid. That makes sense. 
um, but contrary to urban legend, never filmed. They were shot specifically for the Karate Kid Part 2. So that makes a lot of sense because I always felt like that should have been at the end of Karate Kid because uh-huh. it f- final it, like it finishes the Crease and Johnny part and we just move on. It's weird that it's even in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Shue resume, resumed her studies at Harvard shortly after filming the first movie, ending her involvement with the series. Uh, she was to have a minor role where she and Daniel break up before she travels to Europe for the summer, but the writer scrapped it. Um, yeah, because Daniel mentions her briefly in a scene with Miyagi, but other than that, she isn't seen or heard in the film once. Okay. So principal photography for this movie took place in um, Oahu, Hawaii, in the northeastern area of the island known as the Windward Side. The local countryside in modern-day Okinawa had been drastically changed due to the presence of military bases. So in real life, it was actually uh, covered in military bases. So... Other locations in both Japan and Hawaii were scouted as alternative filming locations. A filmmaker selected a property property in Oahu that was privately owned by a retired local physician who agreed to allow a portion of the land to be used in the film. To form Okinawa Village, um, Okinawan Village, portrayed in the film, seven authentic replicas of Okinawan houses were constructed along with more than three acres of planted crops. 50 Okinawa-born Hawaii residents were also recruited as film extras. Oh. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, The music played in the car trip from the airport where the assholes pick them up is Fascination Waltz, the same song that played at the country club party in the first Karate Kid movie. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, there's a lot of little things. And here's another interesting one. Uh, Bill Conti chose to score this movie instead of Rocky IV. Coincidentally, Peter Katera originally wrote The Glory of Love for Rocky IV, but <laughs> Sylvester Stallone rejected it in favor of Hearts of Fire, which is Hearts on Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, it also received an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song. So Stallone rejected it again. Like the the movie in the, the, um, the first one, was uh the best around was an also a rejected rocky song mm. it was for like rocky i don't remember which rocky movie that one was for might have been the first one or i don't remember but uh to think that karate kid keeps using the rejected rocky songs and um they're both bangers man i know this one has been stuck in my head the glory of love listen to it at work on spotify uh it's a, it's a, I think it was a Shopko song, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Do we explain what we mean by that? It just played on the stereo at Shopko. Yeah, we both worked there yeah. a long time ago. And <laughs> so every time... They had like at... a playlist of so many songs that played at Shopko for, every, for like 10 years straight. Yeah, it's like soft rock from the 70s and 80s. Yeah, it's crazy to think these songs like um, Best Around and Glory of Love, like... I didn't realize those were original songs for movies. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't link it to this movie until watching it again. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I was reading about an article about the actress that played uh, Kimoko. And she was saying, like, that song has, like, followed her around her entire <laughs> life because that's, like, their love theme. Um, Nobu McCartney played Pat Morita's fiance Momo in Happy Days. So she played his fiance in Happy Days and in this movie. Oh. Um, not didn't play obviously his fiance in this movie, but his love interest. Yeah. Um, 
Some scenes cut from the original script include a scene introducing a mysterious character named Webster Miyagi, who waits for Miyagi outside the tournament building, to whom Miyagi reacts in an uncomfortable manner, and also a scene of Daniel and Allie breaking up because Allie is leaving for Europe for the summer. Mm. I don't know why they wanted to throw in Webster Miyagi. That's not an Asian name, Webster. It might be. Why why even? Yeah, I'm glad they cut that Uh out. Um, This is one I thought was pretty interesting. In addition to being an expert in karate and owning a construction company in Okinawa, which we know Sato owns all those uh, construction vehicles because he's fucking up all the the gardens and everything. Um, And he's expert in karate. It seems that Sato also also owns and runs an escort service. When Daniel and Miyagi are getting off the plane in Okinawa, they see a sign on the wall advertising Sato's Karate Dojo, which Daniel stops and points out. Above that sign, to the left, is another sign for Sato's construction company. And above the karate sign to the right is a third sign advertising Sato's escort service. Which isn't mentioned in this. And, you know, first when I read this, I'm like, well, yeah, like, a driver, right? Like, he went and he sent the boys to pick. No, like, escort is, like, hookers, I Yeah. Think. Um, wasn't, wouldn't surprise me. He's like that kind of dude. That, I mean, it fits, it would fit. Yeah. It's not surprising. Yeah. They probably just decided not to make it a big point because it's still sort of a kid's movie. Yeah. I was going to say that. It's like, it's a kid's movie still. The scene where Daniel and Kamiko are in the 1950s dance club, the first song playing in the scene is Rock Around the Clock. The Bill Haley and the Comets version was the opening music to the first two seasons of Happy Days, which Pat Morita also played Arnold. So, little connection there. And uh, during the fight between Chosen and Miyagi, where Chosen is armed with the spear, Chosen strikes Miyagi on the back with the spear. This is the only time in the entire movie franchise someone lands a successful strike on Miyagi. Oh, yeah. It hits him on the back with that spear, but it doesn't affect him in any way. But that's amazing. That's the only strike in the entire franchise. So, spoiler, in the third, he doesn't get hit. So, yeah. Yeah. Overall, uh, out of five, what do you give? How many uh, crane oh. kicks? Four. Four crane kicks out of five. That's good. Yeah. I think uh, the uh, song um, "Glory of Love" bumps it up for me. Does it give five out of five? I, I would no. I'm just bumps it up in general. I, okay. I would probably give it four, three and a half. I, or maybe I'll do a, a three point seven. I give it four and a honk. Yeah. <laughs> a good old honk. Uh, good old honk. Yeah, I, I like this one quite a bit. I was, it's been a long time. Like, I've seen it in parts on IFC and different channels. Um, and again, this this one, um, they all sort of blur together. Because as kids, mm-hmm. I, we probably had one VHS tape with all three movies, like, taped off a of TV or something. We were poor. So we probably just wore that tape out and... I'm like relearning which parts are from which movies. Like I said, I thought that the crease scene where he breaks the windows out was the end of Karate Kid. So when the credits rolled after Miyagi smiles at the tournament, I was like, what the hell? We're missing the, the scene out in the parking lot. Picks up there. So now um, there's some scenes I remember that I'm like, oh, those had to be part three because I haven't seen them yet. So um, I'm excited for part three. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, woo, me too. Woo, woo, um, woo, woo. I don't know if we're going to watch the next Karate Kid, the one with Hilary Swank. But, uh, 
It does have Miyagi, but it's not really connected. Wait, other than it. how many are there? That's the fourth one. Okay, so the third one follows the second one? Yes. Okay. So there was originally like a trilogy. Yeah. And then they brought it back instead of, and this was in the late 90s or, or something. So it was like back before they just did remakes. It mm -hmm. was like, we're bringing it back with a sequel that's, that only has a slight connection. So they brought back Miyagi. Yeah. And he taught a new student, which was a girl, which we talked about last movie or last episode. But um, then they rebooted it with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith. And now we have Cobra Kai, which is mm -hmm. a very successful was YouTube now Netflix series um, that's actually just a continuation of the first and second movies. I see, I see. Yeah, so um, any final thoughts on The Karate Kid Part 2? Honk. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, honk you next time on First Honk Podcast. Thanks for listening. Honk. Thank you again for listening to the First Time Podcast. If you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and give us a like on Facebook. Follow or subscribe to the First Time Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. A huge thank you goes out to Scott Schreiner of Weezer for our intro and outro music. Last but not least, do us a favor and share this podcast with someone else who might enjoy it. We appreciate your support.